Welcome to the WatermarkOC.Church podcast. Thank you for listening. We're in a series in the book of Acts, and uh, we're looking at spiritual growth this morning, and what does it mean to be the church? And these commitments that we make in our hearts to God and to our families and to others, and this commitment of, I will grow. That's a huge commitment that the early church made that Christians throughout centuries have made is that I will grow. I want to grow up. I want to become uh, the person that God created me to be. I want to grow up in my marriage to be the husband that my wife wants of me. I want to grow up to be the wife of my husband needs. I want to grow up to be a parent, right? They, you have these kids, and I got six grandkids, and, you know, they just pop out, and the, right your bed going, you know, what do we do? Well, now's the time to grow up, right? <laughs> We're going to grow up when we have those kids. How do we grow up at school for our friends? How do we grow our lives in God? It's a great question. We want to talk about that as we look in the book of Acts this morning, and we're looking at this amazing church in Acts chapter 11, this church at Antioch. Uh, Antioch is uh, this port city on the Mediterranean coast. It's about 300 miles from Jerusalem. Hey, Manny, my, my clicker's not, not going with me here. I'm pushing. Nothing's happening. Ah, there it is. Antioch is this amazing church in the first century, Acts chapter 11. Open up your Bibles. Turn on your iPhones. But in Acts chapter 11, we're introduced to this community that is flourishing and growing. Flourishing and growing. And this community has been established out of persecution. The book of Acts, as you read it, is the story of the church, the story of the birth of the church, the first church. Jesus has died and risen. He's ascended into heaven, and he sends the Holy Spirit into his people, and the church is birthed at Pentecost. And it's this great movement of the church going from Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's the book of Acts, the history of the early church. And in Acts chapter 7, the church has moved out of Jerusalem and a Jewish-centric focus into the surrounding communities and cities because of persecution. The Christians are moving out. And this church is established in Antioch, kind of the big apple of the first century. It was one of the top three Roman cities Big city, metropolitan, multicultural, multi-religious place. And this church is established there, and it's flourishing. It's a flourishing community of faith. Um, All wonderful things are happening in the lives of these Christians as they're loving God and loving the people that God places around them. And they're making an eternal difference. They're sharing their faith. They're loving their neighbors. They're taking their life outward to the surrounding people, communities, and places where they work, live, and play. And the question that we have for them, and how how are they doing this? How are they growing in the midst of persecution and struggle? How how, how are they becoming the kind of people that God has called them to be? How are they dealing with the pressures and challenges like you guys, the pressures of work, the pressures of relationships and family commitments, the pressures of finances, like meeting my financial needs and, and demands, uh, the pressures of life, you know, of who's going to win? Is it going to be the Trojans or the Bruins? I mean, there's pressure right there, right? The pressures of life. My kid, talk about pressure, kid sports. Have your kid in sports in Orange County. You talk about pressure. How do I deal with all this stuff and come out with, with a decent outcome in my life? And the, the secret of their growth and the secret I want to put before you today is the one thing I want you to take away from this message today is how do I live a flourishing life in Orange County? How do I grow? How do we become the person that God wants me to be? Here's the answer from God's word. Here's the answer from Jesus. 
Jesus would say, you grow by staying inwardly connected. I grow by staying inwardly connected in order to be outwardly fruitful. I grow by staying inwardly connected in order to be outwardly fruitful. I mean, Jesus taught this to his disciples before he left. He was with them in the upper room. He was with them for the last time in the, in the Gospel of John. He gathered them together, and he was telling them he was leaving them. He was telling them he was leaving for a purpose. He was going to send another one just like him to be in his stead, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't going to live around them. The Holy Spirit was going to live inside of them. And he said, here is the secret to flourishing life once I've ascended, once I'm gone. And he used this agrarian metaphor because they were all familiar with it because they would walk around Israel and there's vineyards and there's people working in the fields. It's an agrarian society. And even he probably pointed to possibly a vineyard he was, as he was taking them from the upper room into a place to pray. And he said this amazing parable that teaches us about flourishing life. And the parable says, stay inwardly connected in order to grow outwardly with fruit, an abiding connection with Christ. I am the vine, one of the great I am statements of Jesus. You, you the church, us as believers and followers of Jesus, we're the branches. If you remain in me, now look at how many times remain comes in this passage. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, this inward connection with me, you can do nothing. Just like a a vine, you you don't drive through Napa and see all these vines on their own standing out there trying to produce fruit. All the vines are, excuse me, all the branches are staying connected to the vines. They're not out running around trying to bear fruit on their own. All you see is that branches are connected to vines and what you see is fruit as a result. And so Jesus is saying, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, there's a key to abiding. My words were made in you. Ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, outwardly focused, showing yourselves to be my disciples as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Here's another thing. Remain in my love. My word, remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, if you obey my words, you remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be full in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. There's the outward fruit, inward connection to his word, inward connection to his will and prayer. I want your will, not my will. The outwardness is fruit of love. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one that he lay down his life for his friends. This is Jesus teaching to his disciples in the upper room. What's the illustration of this? Acts 11, Antioch. Antioch, as we look at this church now, as we go to Acts 11, you'll see the picture of a church that's flourishing in its community, in its circles of influence, because it has an abiding connection to Christ. They're abiding in Christ's word, and so there's outward fruit. They're abiding in Christ's will by praying and saying, God, what is your will? They're abiding in Christ's way by loving one another. As they abide in that, as they submit to that, what is happening? Fruit through the Holy Spirit is flowing through their lives into the circles of influence. Here's the secret to flourishing in Orange County. Stay inwardly connected 
in order to be outwardly fruitful. That's the secret of the vine. That's the secret to spiritual growth. And we see this in the church of Antioch. They were going inward in order to go outward. Acts 11. Now those who were scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed. This is in Jerusalem. Uh, Stephen was martyred in the persecution by, by a man named Saul. Uh, started in Jerusalem and, and, and pushed the disciples out. And so the disciples moved out. They traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also. Gentiles, right? Those non-Jews, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. You see, these disciples lost a lot. They were Jews. Uh, they, they lived in a, in a place where God's presence dwelt in the temple of Jerusalem, right? They were a part of the Jewish community of faith. That's where their traditions came from. That's where all their relationships were built. That's where their business dealings came from. That's where the marketplace, they dealt with Jews. Everything about their life was culturally Jewish, religiously Jewish. And so when they were persecuted as Christians, they lost a lot. They lost the temple, right? They didn't get out, go out and go, there's the temple. There's where we pray. There's where God's, they, didn't, they didn't go to the temple. That, was, that wasn't a part of their rhythm anymore. They lost friends in their community, friends in their neighborhood. Have you ever moved and you have to say goodbye to your friends and move out somewhere else? They lost friends. They lost relationships. They lost business opportunities. Uh, they did business with people and they lost those, many of those relationships and contracts. They lost a lot, but there's one thing they didn't lose. There's one thing you don't have to lose. As you're persecuted, as you struggle with trials in Orange County, some of you have maybe lost a job. Some of you have maybe lost a loved one or a friend. Some of you may have lost relationships because there's been a divorce or a breakup. Some of you may have lost uh, a, a past opportunity because you've fallen into addiction or there's been struggle in your life. You may have lost a lot, but there's one thing as a Christ follower you will never lose. That is the abiding grace of Jesus Christ, the fact that you are connected to a good, good Father and He loves you, the fact that God's Spirit dwells within you and you can bear fruit with him no, for Him no matter where you've been and what you've done. If struggles and trials come in your life, the one thing you don't have to lose is your abiding connect, connection to Christ. You don't have to lose that. You can bear fruit still for Him. Even in the challenges, the church's Antioch is growing and flourishing in spite of the external challenges in their life because they stay inwardly connected and their faith is abiding. And so what's coming out of their life? Bitterness, judgment towards the fellow Jews that kicked them out, uh, self-righteousness towards their neighbors. Uh, are, they, are they inwardly inclusive and say, we're just going to hang out with our, our holy brothers. We're not going to talk to anybody else. We're just a nice little huddle here, and it's me and you and Jesus, and that's all it is, and kumbaya. Is that what they're doing? No. They are flourishing outward because they're inner, innerly connected to Christ's forgiveness, grace, and his love. And so as a result of that, they look outside of themselves, and they share the fruit of their faith with others. Fruit is for the people in your life, not just for you. It's for your daughter or your son. It's for your wife or your spouse or your husband. It's for your coworker. 
It's for the guy that you're going to meet when you leave this place and you head to the grocery store. Fruit is for that person. The guy in the Starbucks line. The guy, the guy is at the Trojan game yesterday. The, uh, the fruit is for them. I, I'm there to love them and serve them and, and have an experience with them and share Christ in the way I enjoy my life with them and the way I love them. And converse. That's the fruit of abiding. You know, it doesn't have to happen at the Bruin game with all my buddies and just the, Bru- the Bruins win. That's what we think fruit is. Fruit is external. Fruit happens if, if the Bruins win, I got the Bruin buddies, and it's all great. That's not the fruit of the gospel. The fruit of the gospel can be born no matter where, no matter when, in a prison cell with Paul, in a place of persecution. Even if, if you have cancer and you're struggling with your life, fruit can still be born because of what's inside of you, the gospel and the grace of God. And this is Antioch. Instead of their faith being squashed, they were scattered with hope. I love it, Luke. Luke, the author of this book, he uses the word scattered. You know why? Because he's not, he's not creating a bummer story here. He's creating a story of hope. They're scattered seeds. It's like sowing the seeds of the gospel out into the world. These persecuted Christians are not discouraged and hopeless and despairing. They're scattered seeds of hope. The gospel is still inside of them. Even as they're dealing with loss, they're full of joy and inner peace, and they're sharing Christ with their neighbors and friends. An abiding faith brings the fruit of an outwardly focused love. And as a result of that, the gospel goes outside of the Jewish context into the Gentile world. This is something that we should celebrate. Uh, most of us in this, in this room probably come from a Gentile orientation. Thank God for the Christians at Antioch. Thank God they abided in Christ's love. Thank God they were willing to love their neighbors with the gospel because if that doesn't happen, uh, the church might not exist in the Western culture like it does today. You know, thank God for that. And so let's be thankful and let's be reminded that when we're scattered in Orange County, when you're having a bad day, oh, my to-do list is not working the way it's supposed to. I put these, these things on my calendar, and my day's scattered. <laughs> it's, it's these, these business appointments, they're interrupting me. I'm just scattered with my kids, and there's challenges. i got to go to the school. i got to do this. You're scattered because there's an opportunity for hope. You're scattered because there's a person that you're going to meet that needs the gospel. You're scattered because you carry hope with you. You're the seed. It's inside of you. You're the church. The gospel lives inside of you. And it comes out of you through abiding love. Why did they grow? I mean, how can we grow to be like the church of Antioch? Man, I look at that and go, man, I want to be more like that church. I want to be more free. I want to be more available. I want to be more used of God. I want to be more more faithful in my marriage. I want to have great conversations with my kids. I want to be stronger on the inside. How does that happen? Here's a couple of things that I see from this passage that reminds me about spiritual growth from the perspective of the gospel. The first thing that the reason they grew is because they accepted the message of grace. Growth starts from accepting the gospel of grace. And so it says in Antioch that the Lord's hand was with them. That's an Old Testament uh, kind of imagery for the Lord's presence was among them. The presence of God was with them. God's hand, and God's hand is always a hand of favor and blessing. The Lord's hand to bless them was upon them. And a great number of people believed. A great number of people received the gospel. And so because this was happening amongst Gentiles, the headquarters in Jerusalem said, wow, these Gentiles are accepting Christ. What's going on here? 
And so they sent this guy, Barnabas, to go up and check things out, you know, sort of on a, on a, on a scout trip. Go check this out up there and see what's going on in the act. We're hearing these words that Gentiles are becoming Christians. What's going on here? And so they send this guy, Barnabas, who was the exact man for the job, you know. His nickname is Son of Encouragement. He's just an encourager. You know, he's like Jerry Tallow. You know Jerry Tallow? Jerry Tallow, one of my, my pastor friends who helps, he's just a, he's a son of encouragement. Whenever I'm with Jerry, his mouth, his prayer, he encourages me in my faith. Barnabas was sent there not to be sheriff. Sheriff John, there's a new sheriff in town. We're going to do a lockdown here. We're going to make sure things are right. No, he was sent by the, by the church to be a son of encouragement, to, to join with God with what he was doing. And so Barnabas goes up there, and he arrives, and what does he see? Religion, hypocrisy, you know, unchristian behavior. Uh, these people are excluding, excluding other people groups. They're, they're meeting with their own kind, and they don't care. You know, the, the Jews hate the Gentiles, and the Gentiles hate the Jews, and the, the Scythians and the barbarians are fighting, and they, nobody can decide who, which coffee to serve and what they like, and they hate the music, and they want to throw out the director. This is a mess. He didn't see any of that. What did he see? What does it say? He saw grace. The gospel of grace was alive in their life. He saw the grace of God in them, upon them, and what God was doing inside their lives. And so what did he do? Did he try to control it? Did he try to manage it? Did he he try to build a fence around it? No, he encouraged it. He said, stay connected, keep abiding, remain true to the relationship and the connection you have with Christ with all of your heart. More of of your heart and more of him, right? More of your heart and more of Christ, right? They they, They believe this gospel of grace, and the gospel of grace says that we're not only rescued, right? We're not only saved from our sins. We're not only rescued from death and separation from God. That's half of the gospel, the other half of the gospel is that we're resurrected. <laughs> we're resurrected with Christ. We're saved in Christ. We're placed into his death, and we're placed into his resurrection. Many times in church, what we hear is, you're, you believe in Jesus, you say a prayer, and you go to heaven when you die. That's the gospel. Uh, what do we do after that? <laughs> you know? Well, what you do after that is you grow in grace. You're saved by grace. But you also grow in grace because those are both parts of the same gospel. These believers were not only rescued from sin, rescued from something, they were saved for something. They were saved to bear fruit, to abide and bear fruit in him. And so we see this happening at Antioch. Jesus made this staggering statement to his disciples. He said, I have the ability to transform your life. Not just to save your life, not just to erase your sins, not just to take away your past, but to give you a new hope and a future right now. Uh, Jesus used this amazing metaphor of like a well, welling up inside of us. He was at a Jewish festival and he was talking about Jewish imagery and he said to the people at this Jewish feast, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, right, whoever believes in who I am, what will happen? As the scripture has said, streams of living water, this well, 
will flow from within out of them, upward inside of them. There will be a well inside of them that will flow out of them. Wow, that's an amazing picture, right? Wouldn't you like to have a well inside of you that just flowed out of you and brought life and encouragement and blessing? Would anybody want to have that? Well, guess what? If you're a Christian, you do. (laughs) You have that well inside of you because it says he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He was talking about the Spirit that was going to be birthed inside of them at Pentecost. He was talking about the fact that when we accept Jesus Christ, He doesn't just save us, but He places His very Spirit and we are born again. The power and the presence of God now resides within us and we are this living well of water. That's a staggering thing. And so growth is not something that we make happen. That's the gospel of grace. You cannot make growth happen in your life. That's religion. That's man-centered, self-help, man-empowered growth. You cannot make growth happen in your own power, your own strength, and your own control. You can't do that. It is something that happens in you. It is something that happens to you as you open up your life and your heart to the gospel of grace and to the presence of God in your life. See, God's not into digging wells. Excuse me, rephrase. God is into digging wells. (laughs) He's not into building fences. That's a contrast between spiritual growth in a healthy way and legalism and religion in an unhealthy way. Who, Who was the biggest challenge to Jesus? Pharisees, right? They were the spiritual growers of the day. They were the ones that everybody went to, here's how you grow. And the Pharisee says, you grow by building fences. Here's what the Word of God says. And so you never want to violate it, so put a fence here so you can't, get, can't jump over it and violate it there. Put a fence here, put a fence here, put a fence here. Build all these fences around God's Word and put these things into your life, and you'll never violate the Word of God. So here's the Sabbath that's created for freedom and rest. Oh, praise God, no. Well, here's what you can't do on the Sabbath, and here's what you can't do, and here's what you can't do. You can't work, you can't cook, you can't clean, you can't get out of bed, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And we'll put all these man-centered rules and fences so you'll never violate the Sabbath. Only problem is they lost the spirit of what the Sabbath was about. They didn't focus on that, and they focused on these letters in their own strength, and they became religiously prideful, overburdened, empty, and they lost sight of the whole spirit of the law. Jesus didn't say, build more fences. He said, I came to to dig a well, (laughs) a well within your soul. I just went to Africa, amazing place. I got to go on a game reserve and view these incredible animals, lions, zebras, giraffes, tigers, just in, no tigers, sorry, wrong, tigers aren't in Africa. Uh, what did I, a pan, no, what did I see? A leopard, that's who I saw. Watch the pastor. I saw all these amazing animals. And I was talking to our guide, and I go, how do you keep these animals? Around? I mean, every time we go out, there's all these animals. How do you keep these animals here? You know, where are the fences? Because they're going to run away and go to this other game reserve, and you're never going to see them again. And then these people are going to come and pay you money like I have, and I'm going to be ticked off if you don't show me an animal. How come well, there's animals all over the place? He goes, oh, you know, there's a lot of game reserves, and they build fences. They build fences and keep their animals. We don't build fences. I go, what do you do? We dig wells. See this water? They don't leave because the water's here. 
They don't leave. They don't go off my reserve because they come here and as they're raised and they get up and they know the water's there, then the next day they get up and they go to the water and then they wander away and they go, I'm thirsty, and they come back and the water's there. They're trained by the well. They trust in the well. They come to this water and they drink of it and they find life. They don't have to go off the reserve. Why don't you have to go off the reserve and violate the commandments of God because you build fences in your life? No, because you come to the well and you drink of that water and it so fills you, I'm coming to the well. And the the spiritual growth is about training and trusting the well in your life, training and submitting to the well, training and allow the well to flow through you. The well's inside of it. You don't have to build it. You don't have to make it. It's already there. But are you trusting and submitting and surrendering and drinking from that well and letting it flow from your life? That's what Antioch, that's the message of grace. That's the gospel. And so all Barnabas does is see that. He doesn't build a fence. He says, man, keep drinking the well, dude. (laughs) This is living water. I see it. I see it. And so they accepted the message of grace and they practiced the means of grace. They practiced the means of grace. Look at what happened. Barnabas was there, and it says, here's Barnabas. He's, he's, he's a maturing disciple. He's full of the Holy Spirit and faith. That's how he's described, a maturing disciple of Christ. And a great number of people, as he is there and using his faith, come to the Lord. They're brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas goes to Tarsus and says, I need somebody else. He grabs Saul, who is becoming the apostle Paul, right? Saul, who was Saul, now he's Paul. And he, he brings him to Antioch because he needs more gifts. He needs more help to help these people grow. And so when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a year, Barnabas and Saul met. They gathered with the Christians. They worshiped God. They opened the scriptures. They took communion. They prayed together. They practiced these things, and they grew. And so the reason they grew is because of the message of grace, but they also practiced the means of grace. Discipleship is learning to become more fully alive in God, who God created to be through the Spirit, and more fully surrendered to God. That's Barnabas. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He's fully alive to God. The Spirit of God is bringing life to him, and he's fully surrendered. That's faith. That's our part. His part is fully alive through the Spirit. Our part is fully surrendered. You see, that's the dance that brings life. And so Barnabas is encouraging others in that path because he's the model. How do Christians grow? You get another disciple in your life and you learn from him, right? You get an example, you get a mature person, a model that walks with you. We have this American form of Christianity that's called Lone Ranger Christianity. I can grow without community. I just need a podcast, I'll learn, I'll read the instructions and I'll go do it myself, uh, see, see how that works for you. Because what happens is we don't see our blind spots. We don't have others' perspectives. We don't have gifts that are needed because they come from our, the body of Christ and they're not being used in our life to unlock the mysteries of God's grace in our life. And so we don't grow as much because we're individualized. That's a problem with American Christianity. God set it up for you to grow in community, for you to go in relationships. That's the way he made it. And so this community gathered together and they grew through the power of grace. That's the Holy Spirit. You have that inside of you. The gifts of grace. That's the body of Christ. Remember we talked about you're the church. There's so many gifts around you to help you grow. Right? 
When I gather together with the elders of our church, there's gifts amongst the elders. They're called spiritual gifts. Some of those are gifts of wisdom. Some of those are gifts of mercy. Some of those are gifts of leadership. Some of those are gifts of teaching. And so when I submit myself to that community, those elders teach me and encourage me to grow in grace. I need those gifts to help me grow. And then I have gifts that I share with the elders and I help them grow. You see, that's the way, you're, you're a body, you're a family, and every part is important. Everyone has a gift. We're going to talk more about this when we talk about I will serve. But they grew because Barnabas had the gift of encouragement. Saul had the gift of teaching. They were coming together and the gifts were being shared and the body was growing. That's why we need community. And the third reason that they grew is they practiced the means of grace. What are the means of grace? You're practicing one of them right now. Corporate worship. That's a means of grace. We're going to do communion today. Communion is a practice that we do every week, and it's a means of grace. When you pray, you're practicing a means of grace. When you open the Bible and study it and listen to it, you're practicing a means of grace. When you give generously, when you serve, these are all practices that are called, I think Wesley was the one that called them a means of grace. And so they grew through this rhythm of the power of God's spirit, the gifts of the community, and the practices of grace. We need those things in our life to grow in a healthy way. And so what are spiritual practices? They're not self-improvement techniques. Spiritual practices are your prayer life, your Bible reading, uh, your service. They're not self-improvement techniques. That's not what they are. They're means of grace. What does that mean, Bucky? What's a means of grace? It, it, it's, it's opening your heart up so the Spirit of God and the will can flow through you. It's already there. You're opening your heart up so God can move in you and out of you. God can transform your heart. You're renewing your mind so God, the Spirit of God can change your thinking. See, we're renewing the inside, and so we're putting ourselves in a place of renewal. It's like uh, sailing, Somebody talked about this in a book I read recently. The spiritual life is like sailing. You ever been out there when you're trying to sail and there's no wind? You're not going anywhere, right? You got the cool boat. You got your, your life is like a boat, but if you don't have any wind, you're, you're not going anywhere. And so you can't move yourself. That's self-help. That's your own strength. You can't move yourself. What can you do? You can, all you can do is draw the sail. All you can do is put up the sail when the wind blows, and the wind will take you where it's blowing. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, and he used the wind many times as an analogy. The Spirit of God, the wind of God. The wind of God is blowing. We don't blow the wind of God. We don't create the wind. What we do is we put our boat in the direction of the wind, and we put the sail up, and God begins to move us. How do you put the sail up? That's the means of grace. You put the sail up by opening God's word. Studying, meditating, memorizing. You put the sail up in prayer by surrendering and submitting to God. You put the sail up when you come and take communion and go, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. And you confess, I just laid my burdens down. Thank you for your forgiveness. These are all sails that we put up so the wind of God can move us in the direction of maturity and growth. These are all disciplines. A discipline is something that creates space in our lives so the Spirit can flow. Do you have these practices in your life? Do you, do you build a rhythm around them so that God can move you forward and make you more like Jesus Christ, his son? You see, there are, there are trainings in trust, and they always involve letting go. That really helps me a lot. 
Because I'm a guy that wants to ramp up and take control and run faster and charge harder. The practices are always about letting go, (laughs) submitting, surrendering, laying down, right? I'm going to surrender my control. I'm going to surrender my power to the power of God. I'm going to submit my mind to the word of God. I'm going to submit my heart to God's purposes for my neighbor, and I'm going to choose to love. I'm submitting my life, my heart, and letting go of my agenda, my control, so the spirit of God can flow. That's a spiritual practice And as they did this, great numbers of people are taught, great numbers of people are growing. Community is the place where that happens. After the service today, the one thing I want you to do is say, am I in a place of community? If you want to grow inward so you can go outward, you need to be connected in the body of Christ. There are tons of groups that that meet all throughout Orange County, some here at Watermark Church, Some during the morning, some during the evenings. We have men's groups, we have women's groups. Some in the community, we have small groups in Irvine, Costa Mesa, Tustin, uh, uh, Huntington Beach. We have small groups throughout. There's all these opportunities for you to connect with the community and abide in God's grace, abide in the gifts, abide in, in the practices. Be encouraged. Community is a place that we're encouraged to grow in the way of Jesus. I can't live without community. I meet regularly with men's groups. I go to a men's group on Wednesday morning that I do not teach. I'm submitting to that teaching. I have to go through the process myself. I can't be the leader there. I need to submit, and I need a place to grow. I go to a men's group on Thursday to teach. I give out on Thursday, but in, in, in Wednesday, I come and fill up. Everybody needs a place to fill up. Everybody needs a place to, to, to understand what it's like to surrender. You all need that place. There's a lot of opportunity afterwards. There's tables. We have all our small group leaders. Please go out. And if you're not connected, find a place where you can connect in community. We'd love to serve you, Ben and I. We'd love to help you, the elders, get involved in community. They practice the means of grace. And finally, they focused on the measure of grace. What is the measure of grace ultimately? It's Jesus, right? This is the amazing thing about Antioch. You know how they knew they were growing? How do you know when you're growing? When your neighbor says, you look like Jesus. When your coworker, when your boss tells you, you, hey man, you you look like Jesus. When when somebody outside of your circle, somebody or your kid tells you, you look like Jesus. How did they know they were growing? Because the community around them said, those guys are Christians. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up, prophet. That's a gift, a gift to the body to encourage and support the body and growth. The, the prophet speaks uh, through the Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, what did they do? Each, as each one was able, they responded with grace said, here's what God has given me. It's not all mine. And they gave generously to the church that was struck with famine and didn't have enough to provide. That was the fruit of abiding love. That was the fruit of the gospel. That was the fruit of their practices. Out, what popped out of them? Love, right? What, what do you want to be when you grow up? They asked my daughter that, small group, first grade. What do you want? I want to be Shamu. I want to be Shamu when I grow up. I mean, everybody wants to be Shamu. I want to be a CEO, man. That's my Shamu. I want to play for the Trojans. I want to be the quarterback. I want to be Shamu. <laughs> I want to be Shamu in my, in, in my workplace, Shamu in my community. I want the biggest house, make the biggest splash. I want to be Shamu. 
Well, the gospel says there's only one Shamu. His name's Jesus. <laughs> he came and gave his life for you, and he's transforming you to look like him. He's the leader, and we're growing up to become like him. And his splash is love. Okay, that's the outcome. The measurement is love. Jesus said the greatest command, if you're growing, it's because you love God and love people more. That's the measure. That's how you define growth. The practices are to bring more grace and love in your life. That's what it's all about. It doesn't matter if you're doing the practices and running around and you're not becoming a loving person. There's a lot of people that do a lot of spiritual practices and they're not loving people. <laughs> they're wasting their time. <laughs> Don't, if you're doing spiritual practices and you're a more bitter, angry person, throw them out. They're not, they're not working in your life. The measurement is, is my life. Is my life becoming more loving? Maybe that means take a nap. Give yourself a rest. Maybe that means going to breakfast with a friend and just pouring your heart out. Maybe that means having some silence and solitude because we don't get an Orange County. You've got to carve some space, and that's going to grow you in grace. Maybe it means getting a mentor. Maybe it means joining a small group this morning. The measure is love. The disciplines are to bring more sacrificial love into your life. That's Antioch. That's where we're headed. We want to be this loving church. But in order to do that, we have to say, I will grow. I'm going to stay inwardly connected to Jesus in order to be outwardly focused in his love. And this table reminds us of his love every week. Every week he says, come and drink of my grace. Come remember my love. Come remember that I gave my body and blood so that you would be forgiven, so that you would have an eternal hope and a future, so that you would know my grace. Come at this table and fill up. It's not a performance thing. It doesn't make you more acceptable to God. You already are acceptable to God in Christ. It reminds you that you are acceptable to God. It's not your own power and strength. It's opening your heart up. It's putting the sail up and saying, Holy Spirit, change and renew my life. As I lay down, fill me with more. I want to be fully alive and fully surrendered. Is that your life? Are you fully surrendered to God? Is there an area of your life that you're just holding on to and that's why you're struggling? Right? That's, that's why there's not love in your life. That's why you're resentful. That's why you're bitter or angry. That's why you're not growing because there's no forgiveness or grace. That's why you're not growing because you're holding on to your money with greed and you're so worried about your finances. You're focusing on all the external things. They'll never bring you life. It only comes through an interconnection with the God who is life. And so what is God calling you to lay down so that in order that you can have more of him today? Let's bow our heads, prepare our hearts as we come to the table. Father, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the growth that you bring us. Help us to be more alive in you. Show us how to practice your grace by opening our hearts. Some of us are not connected in community. I pray that uh, we would make a courageous choice to get involved with some other Christ followers in a small group if they're, if they're not connected here today. Help, give us the courage to do that. And Lord, uh, those of us that are burdened and, and worried today, may we be able to lay down that fear and trust more in your grace. Those of us that are worried about our finances, may we be able to let go of that and become more generous people, actually giving stuff away, knowing that you're going to bless us because you're the giver of all things. And so, God, show us how to submit and surrender to your grace. We thank you for this table. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. To find out more about us, go online to watermarkoc.church. 